Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. And today, it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for the roundtable. We got Reggie Wilson from CARE 11. We got Luke Inman, and we got Sam Ekstrom, the producer that does it all. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com backslash locked on or go to birddogs.com and just enter the promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise. And just check Sam. Sam sleeps in his. He walks the dogs in them, feeds the kids in them. Hey, bird dogs are the way to go. You can go from the pool to dinner. Just go to birddogs.com again and enter the promo code locked on. Well, it's been a busy week, people. There's been contracts, $275 million to Joe Burrow, highest paid player ever. So I saw some people say, you think Caleb Williams is staying in school now? Probably not. After that one, he's coming out. But you know what? This show. We have some huge topics to hit on. You got Vikings. You got Gophers. There's tennis out there right now in the world. You got the Twins. We're probably going to win the AL Central. And I say probably because you never really know in sports. But we got to get locked in on these topics today. So what you got for us, Luke? Yeah, Vikes Bucks Sunday at noon, guys. Let's talk about which players are going to ball out and steal the headlines Monday morning. I'm calling the fight. AL Central is done. It's the Twins. They've won it. They've done it. How did we get here? How did we get to the point where the Twins are going to be division champions? And what's next for Minnesota? 22 games left, Sam. Let's pump the brakes. But uh, Dan Campbell, Biden kneecaps. Is it actually working? Scored the upset over the Chiefs last night. Yeah, I watched the Chiefs and I watched the Lions. And uh, I think Travis Kelsey being out, Chris Jones being gone. I think if they're there, it's a different game. But we'll talk about that next. But we have to also. There's more football people. Saturday, the Gophers take on Eastern Michigan. That's me versus my dad. My dad passed away in 2018. The Gophers have never played Eastern Michigan. Years and years I had to hear him say, if Eastern Michigan ever played Minnesota, Eastern Michigan would kick Minnesota's butt. So now we really get a chance. So me and my pops are going to sit back, have a drink and a cigar as we watch the Gophers. And then we're going to have a little postcast after the Gophers game for a little uh, fan interaction. You guys let us know what you want to talk about. But we're going to talk about this Gophers-Eastern Michigan game and what does this mean for P.J. Fleck. There's a record out there. And the only person I think better than him right now is Nick Saban is one of the people. P.J. Fleck is in the top three of this category. Nick Saban is one of the guys in this category. So we'll talk about that as well coming up. And, of course, we got to give you guys our prediction on the Vikings-Buccaneers game. We'll see who's closest, who's the furthest. And you fans, you let us know what you think the score of the uh, uh, Vikings-Buccaneers game will be on Sunday. But with no further ado, it's time to get into the show. So let's jump into a loop. Yeah, Vikes season opener Sunday versus the Bucks. A lot of different storylines to follow in this one, but I kind of want to hone in on which players could steal the show, make the headlines. And I've been doing some digging on this matchup all week, and specifically what this Vikings defense needs to do to start creating some more pressure this year. Because last year, guys, it was putrid. 24th in the league in blitz percentage. That's bottom seven. Bottom 10 in pressure percentage. Bottom third in sacks. So the A topic has to be getting more pressure, more blitzes, more sacks, more quarterback knockdowns, all of it. Every single one of those things is Brian Flores' MO. He's a master at dialing up pressures, but you still got to have the players to go execute. Last year, as much as we loved Eric Hendricks, 
he was not a guy who really excelled at getting after the passer. People forget this. He had zero quarterback pressures last season. He had one sack on the stat sheet. That was a cleanup sack, not something he generated on his own. This year, they swap him out with their new secret weapon, Ivan Pace Jr. I think that's going to be the guy that helps Flores achieve the things he wants to behind the line of scrimmage Sunday. It's a guy who ranked number one in the entire country among all linebackers in quarterback pressures last season with 31. I know it's apples and oranges here, okay? But just think about going from a linebacker who had zero pressures to a guy who, yes, at the collegiate level, I get it, but who had 31 quarterback pressures last season. Mm. That's the guy I think makes the headlines Monday morning, kind of steals the show because he's the guy who's going to get in the backfield, create some havoc for Baker Mayfield in that Bucks offense. And if you think they're just not going to use Ivan Pace Jr. because he's an undrafted rookie and it's only week one, Go watch the preseason tape. Tell me that's not a guy who's ready to start out the gate after wearing the green dot all training camp. He's the guy I'm watching for to steal the show inside that front seven, especially knowing Brian Asamoah still dealing with a little shoulder injury. He may not be 100%. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like that a lot, Luke. And, and Flores did say that Pace probably would see some snaps. He declared Asamoah as the starter. But again, if you start... It doesn't always mean you're going to finish, and it doesn't mean we there's not going to be a rotation. So we might see all three of those guys. I like that a lot, getting some pressure from those interior linebackers. Here's where I'm looking. I'm thinking back to last year, week one. Before the TJ Hawkinson era began in Minnesota, who was the number two tight end? It was Johnny Munt. And Johnny Munt came into Minnesota as an afterthought. He really had never had any kind of success catching the ball at the NFL level. And what did the Vikings do in week one last year with Johnny Munt? He got 40 snaps in that game, which was the second most of his career. And he matched a career high with three receptions against the Packers. Now, I'm not saying Johnny Munt is going to be the guy this year. I'm saying, who's your number two tight end now? Who did you invest in in the offseason? Who is the wild card in this offense? I think it's Josh Oliver. Mm. I think Josh Oliver is going to see a Johnny Munt-like workload in week one this year. I think he's going to see 40 or more snaps. In his career, guys, he has not been given much of a chance to be on the field. Only eight times in his career does he have more than 30 snaps in a game. I think the Vikings will give him that chance, and he will be targeted in this offense. I've got Josh Oliver not only making a huge impact, paving lanes for Madison and Chandler. I think he has four catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown in this game, and we will talk about him as the Vikings X-Factor. Hmm. Ooh, I like it, Sam. Ooh. Okay, so my X Factor is not someone who is under the radar at all. My X Factor is Kirk Cousins. I mm. think that this offseason has really energized him. He's got the Netflix documentary quarterback under his belt. He seems to just be lighter. He seems to be like even more quirky than he usually is. Has a lot of fun in camp. Has a good camp. And I think he's just light and loose in this contract year. He has a lot to play for. And I think that's what we're going to see from Kirk coming out on Sunday. I think he's going to push the ball down the field. He's got all these weapons in his arsenal now to, to really do work on the offensive side. And I think we're just going to see him be a more comfortable guy back there. Uh, you know, still a little uptight as a player just because that's who he is. But I think he's going to be a little bit more cerebral. And I think with the weapons that he has, he has a good chance to stay 
ahead of the chains a little bit more. And so I think we'll see him maybe go for three or four touchdowns on Sunday. I think that's my X factor, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Mm. So if your X factor is Kirk Cousins, Reggie, I got to believe mine's going to be true then. My X factor has something to do with the departure of one Adam John Thielen. A.J. Thielen has left the building. He's now with the Carolina Panthers. When you look at A.J. Thielen and what he did last year, his targets, 107 targets, 70 catches, and six touchdowns. Now, what I'm not saying is that K.J. Osmore's 90 targets last year means he's going to pick up all 100 targets. I think, like Sam said, Josh Oliver will get some of these targets. I think the target usage of T.J. Hawkinson will increase. The Justin Jefferson targets will increase. But K.J. Osborne's will increase. K.J. Osborne will have over 100 targets this season as a receiver, too. I think it's going to take a lot for Jordan Addison to really take him out. I don't think Jordan Addison is Justin Jefferson, where Justin Jefferson came in and took B.C. Johnson out. I think B.C. Johnson and K.J. Osborne are different animals. They're different beasts, and so it's a different set when you know K.J. Osborne can be wide receiver, too. I mean, he went to the U, so you know he has that in him. He has that dog in him. I think K.J. Osborne might steal the show because one Antoine Winfield, Antoine Winfield Jr., grew up in Eden Prairie, played for Eden Prairie youth football. He moved on to high school and went to Texas when his dad left Minnesota. But Antoine Winfield knows U.S. Bank Stadium. He knows his area. He also knows Justin Jefferson. If I'm the safety and I play the nickel as well and I can alleviate Justin Jefferson, meaning give me help, like Kevin Hart, help me. <laughs> help me like that's what they're going to be saying everybody that's going to be manned up on Justin Jefferson is going to be Kevin Hart in that game help me just help me they're not going to let Justin Jefferson just kill him so who's going to be open and get a lot got a one-on-one outside Jordan Addison KJ Osborne I think I think KJ Osborne is going to steal the show I don't know how many targets exactly for this game but in 2021 in 2020 openers Justin Jefferson was on the team Adam Thielen, nine catches, 92 yards and two touchdowns, six catches, 11, uh, 110 yards and two touchdowns. And then 2022, Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 184 and two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins, the last three seasons, has had a receiver in the opener get two touchdowns. Not to say I don't think K.J. Osborne is the guy, but I feel like K.J. Osborne might be that target guy because he always targets one guy in the opener a lot too. I think it's going to default to K.J. Osborne, so that's my guy that's going to steal the show. But here's another one, fellas. A little double question in this. If you think about FanDuel wagers, because there are some FanDuel wagers out there for this game specifically, you guys can go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. You can go to the FanDuel app like I do. And when you go on there, you can look at the wagers, Sam and Luke and Reggie. So I go to you first, Luke. When you look at these FanDuel wagers, what's one wager of this game that you're like, oh, I really like it and this is why? Yeah, well, between Flores' aggressive blitzing scheme and then just all the love I just gave Ivan Pace Jr., not to mention Bucks right tackle Tristan Wirfs, he's making a switch to left tackle for the first time. That means Daniil Hunter can line up on his natural side and attack second-year man Luke Gadecki. He played more guard last year than anything. I love the Vikings' bets on the over total team sack total. Now, a lot of time the team bets – they don't come out till Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning. If you can't find that bet, you can only find the total game sacks. I still love the over because the Bucs have one of the best pass rushing nose tackles in the league, Vitavia. He had six and a half sacks last year, not to mention they get arguably their best pass rusher back with Shaq Barrett, who ended the season hurt. So I think both teams' defensive lines and pass rushers match up really well versus the offensive line Sunday. So find any of those sack totals, hammer the over. I like
like that. We'll have to watch for that on FanDuel. Um, I'm actually going to do a pro Buccaneers suggestion. Mm. So I'm looking at the over-under rushing totals for Rashad White. 44 and a half. Now, this is not a high-powered passing offense. This is a Baker Mayfield offense. Baker Mayfield needs a running game. And I listened to Locked on Bucks this week, and James Yarcho told me that Rashad White is a bell cow type in this offense. He's not a rotational piece. He is the lead back. So if the over-under is 44 and a half, what does he need? 10 carries? 11 carries to get that? I'd hammer the over. And you know what? The, the betters agree with me because all the money's coming in on that over. Minus 130 on the over compared to minus 102 on the under. So that, that number might move uh, with all the money coming in. But I would still hammer the over on Rashad White, 44 and mm. a half. Because, guys, mm. the Vikings' rush defense, they gave up 100 or more yards in 13 of 17 games last year. I don't know yet if they've improved. So if that rush defense is going to give up over 100 yards, surely Rashad White is going to have 45 of those yards. So I would actually take the Bucks rushing uh, attack to go over the total for Rashad White. I like mm. that. Reginald. So um, I was looking at this um, first touchdown score and Alexander Madison plus 480. I have a, a real strong feeling that Alexander Madison scores the game's first touchdown. I don't know if it's on the ground or in the air, some type of screen pass, Sam. The screen game. The screen, screen game. game. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really like that. Uh, of Alexander Madison scoring the team's first touchdown. You know, if it's it's a it's a pass from Kirko to get the the team down to the the in within the 5 yard line and then Madison powers it in. I like that. Hmm. Okay. Plus 480. I'm going to give Let's you go. guys one that is very fun. This makes you stay in the game the entire time. Sam knows how I do this. Same game parlay, people. If you have not gone to the SGP and you just go down, scroll down to the SGP, it ha it'll have the signal by them. That means all those bets are the same game parlay. Now, some of these is like, oh, plus 120. Plus but if you put these together, put them together. This is work. So anytime touchdown score, anytime touchdown score. You can take Justin Jefferson. You can take Alexander Madison. You can also, and here's one, alternate receiving yards for Justin Jefferson. In order to get money on JJ, you have to jump to the 100-plus yards. He's 124. So here's one. I'm going to just tell you an easy one. I would go Justin Jefferson, 100-plus yards. That's plus 124. Alexander Madison, plus uh, 60 rushing yards. That's going to put you in the plus side. So there's two easy ones. And then Justin Jefferson, because you can do first touchdown score. That's in there. Reggie's is in there for Alexander Madison, plus 480. I do like that. But Justin Jefferson, 650. I'm, 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 I'm torn between those two because I feel like the only way to really get the season started off right, those two guys do make the storyline hit. One, the million-dollar receiver. Two, the running back that's replacing Dalvin Cook. But I can't pick just one because I'm going to be upset if they score and my guy didn't score. So I would go with any time touchdown score. And in that one, I would for sure go Justin Jefferson. So that's a way to take three 
easy ones, put them together. And, and the only reason I say that is because if KJ Osborne is matriculating us down the field and helping out, by the time they get to the red zone, that defense is probably going to be like, all right, man, we got to watch this KJ Osborne kid because clearly they, they know we're trying to take Justin Jefferson out this game. JJ's going to hit him with a uh-uh choice route, touchdown. Or Alexander Madison, to his point, in the red zone, I feel like Kevin O'Connell does want to get the run going. I'm not, he's not running up the middle. I'll give you that. It's not going to be up Vita Veda in Vita Veda's face because I, I, Garrett Bradbury, Vita Veda, nah, nah, nah. Ed Ingram, nah. Go outside. Go outside. Go away from those guys. Let Tristan, uh, or not Tristan, Christian Darasar, or somebody else. But I think those are good ones for you people. Anytime touchdown scores, you can go Alexander Madison or, or both if you really want to build that bet up. And then, but the same game parlay, Sam. That's the one I love the most because you can put a bunch in it and you can make way more money off just $10. And then if you put the locked on deal in there, you get the bonus bet. So before we jump into the Bird Dogs read, because Bird Dogs has a great offer for you people. And, and Sam's told you he sleeps in his. So clearly they're comfortable. He sleeps in him, he wakes up, he does locked on. from just He doesn't even change clothes. He just brushes his teeth, washes his face, gets the kids out. And then he's back downstairs and his bird dogs. But before we do that, man, everybody was watching TV last night. So, Reggie, tell us what you thought about it. How about the mic drop after the game? I guess someone asked Dan Campbell what he learned about his team. He's like, I, I didn't learn anything. I already knew it. I didn't already know. I'm like, dang. <laughs> so what was interesting about last night was the Lions – it was weird. The Lions played like they didn't have anything to lose, but simultaneously aggressive. Like that call on fourth down to go for it was one of the ballsiest calls in that moment that I have seen. And I tweeted that that Sam Cassell gif with the Timberwolves where he's just like running oh. down the court. <laughs> Because I feel like that's Dan Campbell all the time. Like, you know, he has the utmost belief in his team. Sometimes to his detriment, we saw how it how it backfired in that game against the Vikings last year. But I think what is interesting about it is they've built a bully. Shout out to Brad Holmes, man. Mm -hmm. People killed the Lions for taking Gibbs 12 overall. And like, I still don't know that I love them taking him right there, but that dude is going to be a stud. People killed them for giving up Jamal Williams, signing David Montgomery. Early returns look pretty good on David Montgomery. Like, they probably should have lost that game last night if the Chiefs were on it, but so many drops from Kadarius Toney, so many drops from the receiver core in general – it was cute last year. Hey, we lost Tyreek Hill. We're not really sure what, you know, is going to be of that offense. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. They pull it together. Well, he still needs guys that are going to catch the ball consistently. And Kadarius Tony could not hold on to a pass last night. And so they need to get Pat a number one receiver. If he had even Kelsey in that offense yesterday, they probably win that game. But – taking nothing away from Detroit. They go into the champ's house. They steal one. They they go in there and take it. That offensive line is amazing. When Jamison Williams comes back, that's going to be a problem as well for this offense. I was on record. I have been on record saying, look, 
I don't think the Lions are going to be what the hype is saying. My guy, Karin Phillips, senior writer at Deadspin, he put out an article last year saying Dan Campbell was in over his head. It's going to be a disaster. He put out an apology column this morning saying, dang, I messed up. The Lions are legit. And so that's what it looks like. The hype train is real, I think, with Detroit. And that is weird because we've just never said anything like that before. Luke. It, yeah, anytime you go into Arrowhead on a national stage, it says something. Like, that speaks volumes. And Dan Campbell, I mean, Reggie touched on it. He's changed the identity of this team. What we used to remember about the Lions is no more. He's exactly what this team needed to build this whole thing back up from scratch a few years ago. And he's gotten the players clearly to buy into the system, the schemes, the philosophies, and how they want to win football games. You combine that with what Brad Holmes has done, the GM, who in my opinion has crushed the draft the last three seasons, nailed their top 10 picks, Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, building that team through the trenches first and foremost, like Reggie said. They built a top five, six-ish offensive line. And then you find the gems, the steals of the draft, like Amon Ross, St. Brown, and what, round five, round six, later in the draft? They built this team the right way, and they sealed the deal, I think, this year when they went and got three instant impact guys with Gibbs, Campbell, the linebacker, Brian Branch, the safety who had a pick six last night. Mm -hmm. So. I think the roster set, not just for this year. You think the hype's real now? This roster's set for the future two, three, four years down the road. How far they go, it just depends on the arm of Jared Goff. I mean, he's still got to prove he can be the guy that can elevate the team and put that team on his back come playoff time. Now, I will say, as big of a win that was last night, it's only one game, and it's a game you got to face the Chiefs without their best defensive player in Chris Jones. I think even more detrimental was losing your best offensive skill player in Travis Kelce, what, just hours before kickoff. So not trying to take anything away from the Lions last night because a win's a win, especially on the road versus the champs. But you play the Chiefs in week 15 instead of week one, Maybe that thing looks a little bit different. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, let, let's call a spade a spade. The offensive play in this game was pretty stinky. Like, both <laughs> both sides. Um, the rushing attacks were both under four yards per carry. Yards per play, 5.3 and 5.1. Both teams were 33% on third and fourth down combined. There were turnovers. There was sloppiness. A lot of sloppiness. But you know what's the takeaway? is the Lions' defense looked much improved. They caused a lot of those struggles for the Chiefs. Now, the drops are one thing, but they forced a turnover. They got stops on third down. They came up big, and their their pass rush couldn't be slowed, and the Chiefs had to hold them each play and not get called. Um, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I thought, made an impact kind of in, in run defense, and, and he was all over the place. So that Lions defense might be improved. And, and their offense, I think you can believe they're going to come along and, and improve and get better. But the defense looked pretty good, you guys. And that was the big question mark. Is the defense actually any better? Um, just really taken aback, too, by how unaggressive Andy Reid was when they had a couple fourth and twos in Lions territory and settled for field goals. Uh, those are clear go-for-it situations. <laughs> and they did. they made the classic mistake. They chose to go up six and force the other team to beat them instead of trying to go for it and, uh, you know, go in for the kill. So strange conservative coaching from Andy Reid and the Lions were opportunistic. Give them credit for converting that touchdown drive when they needed it. 
I mean, if you look at this game too, Sam, and and the thing I like that you said is about the stats. The stats and the stinkiest total, the total dad. Um, you could tell somebody with with young kids, stinky game. Yeah, <laughs> stinky poopy. Not game. like I use that word every day. <laughs> Such a stinky poopy game. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you look at the stats, and Sam, you're you're dead on. This is what I looked at. If I were to ask you guys last week, heading into this week for Thursday, if we had said, hey. Who, by a show of hands, who think that Patrick Mahomes will throw for less yards and have a worse percentage in completions than Jared Goff? I don't think anybody would raise their hand. <laughs> I don't think anybody would. Everybody would assume Patrick Mahomes coming out early is going to kill it. Patrick Mahomes' best receiver had 48 yards receiving, and that was MVS. Then you had Justin Watson, 45 yards. Then you had Isaiah Pachinko, 31 yards. If you were to look at what's his name, Kadarius Tony, one catch, one yard. His drops had more yards than his catches. Like his drops after the ball hit the ground after he dropped it, traveled more yards than he had receiving. Like that's that's what's sad is that one catch for one yard and everything. Like I, I love the uh effort. Let's do somebody's highlights. Like this morning, I don't know if you guys saw that tweet, but it was like effort. Kadarius Tony highlight. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yep. <laughs> it's like four straight plays of like, whoa, it didn't feel that bad, but it was bad. And so I will say the Chiefs seem off. Matt Nagy didn't seem in his like he didn't seem like he had a groove. You know, it wasn't 2016-17. The Lions just had a oomph about them that that they were like, look. Boom. We're going to close this game out by running the ball and beating you up. We're going to we're going to bear hug you. We're going to throw you into the ground. Um, I will say this. The Lions looked impressive. Now, granted, everybody's going to say Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, blah, blah. The Lions look impressive. At the end of the day, everybody talked about it doesn't matter who plays. Patrick Mahomes is going to turn him into a star. We didn't do that last night. He didn't turn people into stars last night. He actually he looked pretty like normal. Like, he didn't do anything special. Like, it wasn't a Patrick Mahomes. Like, I love Chris Collinsworth. Oh, okay, Patrick Mahomes about to show y'all who he is. He's about to drive down and win the – oh, wait, fourth down in 27? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened, Chris? Like, you swallowed your words. Like, it literally – it started off with Patrick Mahomes about to show the world how great he is because he's about to drive down for a field goal probably and beat the Lions. I thought so, too. And then when they were fourth and 25, I'm like, it's over. This is it. Like, the Lions are good. And, and then punted. the Lions, huh? I, yeah, they should have. They should have. You're right. I, I thought about that, too. I'm like, just punt it because then you put the Lions. They're not going to go for it on fourth down on their 30. They're going to go for a fourth mm -hmm. down in your territory. And that's what yep. Dan Campbell right. did. And that's why they put their foot in their throat. But we got to jump into Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs has an awesome offer for you people. Coming back after the Bird Dogs, read, we're going to talk a little twins, gophers. And we're going to close the show out with a little score prediction. So, Sam, take it away. You got it. It's a Bird Dogs Friday. I'm wearing them right now. I'm going to wear them later. I'm going to wear them to bed. I love my Bird Dogs because they are all season. When you have the shorts, you can wear them in the heat of the afternoon. You got the pants with the cozy liners. You can wear them in the chilly morning. It was 50 degrees this morning. I got to have something that hugs my legs and, uh, you know, sculpts my thighs. And that's what Bird Dogs does. Birddogs.com slash locked on to take advantage of their latest offer. With any purchase, you get a free Bird Dogs water bottle. They've given out the white tech hat. They've given out the tumbler that I drink my coffee in every morning. And now it's the Bird Dogs water bottle. Bird Dogs are special because they've got that special cloud knit fabric that keeps you cool and still 
keeps you warm. It's like an unbelievable uh, technology that's in these pants. I swear to you, these are my new favorite pants. They are so comfortable. They are slimming, and they make you feel and look really good. Birddogs.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on as well at checkout. Get that free water bottle. Bird dogs, you won't want to take them off. Well, Sam, I know you want to talk about the twins. Reggie said there's only 20, or sorry, there's 22 games left. So calm down. It's not over yet. But Sam, what you got to go with the twins? No, it's over. It's over. <laughs> the the tw- the twins only needed to win one game, I think, in that Guardian series. They won two. They increased the lead. Six-game lead with 22 to go. So if the Twins simply finish 500, 11 and 11, and keep in mind, they play the Rockies, they play the A's, they have the the Mets, another stinky product this weekend. The, The Twins are going to go 500, if not better. That would mean the Guardians would need to go 17 and 5 down the stretch just to tie them. That's not going to happen. The Twins are going to win the Central, and they're going to win it comfortably. The Guardians are are hardly trying. I know they signed some guys off waivers, but yeah, that was that was a, a last-ditch effort that was ultimately fruitless. Uh, it's over. So how did the Twins get here? The offense came alive, and this is finally an enjoyable team to watch because they string hits together. They, uh, you know, they leave the ballpark. They hit home runs. It seems like they've actually got some chemistry. They've got the little dance when they get on second base. It's, uh, it's actually fun to watch. If you look at their stats overall, pretty respectable. 16th in on-base percentage, 14th in runs, 13th in OPS, 6th in home runs. So they're, they're league average now, if not above league average, in some of these key offensive categories. They finally got there, and I actually like this team going into the to the playoff stretch, and they get Kirilov back. And Kirilov's been ripping it up at AAA in his rehab stint. Michael A. Taylor should be back soon. Get Joey Gallo out of the lineup. I don't want to see him taking any more at-bats. Get Kirilov in there to take the left-handed outfield uh, outfielder at-bats. Let Gallo just hang out. He can chew some bubble gum. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this team now. I like him. Reggie. <laughs> You did not mention Byron Buxton just just then. Uh, that was that was interesting, Sam. Uh, well, this... I can't I can't trust the knee. Apparently, it's okay. it's sad. It's sad, but like I kind of yeah. like the lineup honestly with Michael A. Taylor right now. Once he gets back, I think I think he's a more compelling piece in October than Buxton. I'm like, can Buxton be a pinch runner? Can be a pinch hitter? Maybe, but it's tough. Maybe to not a, a pinch runner with that knee. Yeah. Yeah, that that whole thing is crazy. They that's that's my thing, really. Like the amount of winning that they've done without one of their highest paid players, Byron Buxton's out of the out of the lineup, and they're still winning, and it really doesn't seem to be affecting them much. That that's the crazy part for me. You know, I explained on on care that like the twins experiences like that girlfriend that you say you were going to leave alone and she said baby I've changed and you're like okay I believe you and then you take her back and then they 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 break your heart again and I feel like that's been my experience since I have uh been here in Minnesota the the twins make you believe like last year man they had some believers and then all the fans were like yes baby yes and they're like what 
this is not working for me anymore. I think uh, I think it's time for us to go our separate ways. And we're like, but we were doing so well. What do you mean? I take you on dates. You know, you've been happy, right? Right? The twins were like, no, actually, we we need to we need to go our separate ways. And I think that's been really like the the thing with the twins for me. It just doesn't seem like you can trust it. 22 games left. They didn't even play last night, and the magic number goes down to 16 because of the Guardians' loss. And you're like, oh, well, uh, maybe. Maybe we could trust them. But it still just doesn't – until the playoffs actually start, it still just doesn't feel like you can trust them. But they have played some really good baseball. They have a formula for a team that could actually do some work. They got the bats getting hot. They got a really good pitching staff. Pray for the bullpen. But, like, they seem like a team that can make some noise. But it's just so hard to trust them because Minnesota sports. (laughs) Reg, that relationship sounds stinky, man. I don't want anything (laughs) to do with that. All right. And, Sam, you said six-game lead? Six and a half. Six and a half. Come on. Put some respect on that lead. But I didn't check the score last night. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, that was a late ending. But you touched on the offense, man. In 11 games, they've averaged almost seven runs a game, which ranked second in the league. And I know that 20-run outburst kind of inflates those stats quite a bit. You take that game out of the equation, though. They've still been in the top 12 offense the past two weeks. That's awfully encouraging. And maybe what's most beneficial about locking this thing up so early now, what I'm just loving, we're already seeing it a little bit here, some little shades. They can finally give some of these guys a breather, some rest before things ramp back up in the playoffs. I mean, this week alone, if you've noticed, the bullpen, they've been able to lean on guys like Hedrick, Louis Varlin, who, by the way, Louis Varlin looked great, by the way, in his first relieving appearance. And now they can give their core guys just a chance to catch a breather, rest those arms up. I mean, in the last five days alone, since they took two from Cleveland, Johan Duran, he hasn't thrown a single pitch. That's huge. Josh Winder, he's only thrown five pitches. Thielbar and Pagan, they've thrown 22 total pitches between the two of them. Plus, you mentioned it, Sam, too, Angels, A's, Rockies to end the season. It just feels like the perfect opportunity to sit some of these guys and all this rest. It could play a huge factor on the starting lineup and these pitching arms come October. Yeah, Sam, Reggie, Luke. Reggie, I like what you said. No Byron Buxton. Yeah, I don't think they need him, though. Here's the thing. The 20-run burst, the 10 runs. Those are the, this is, that's the way you win overall, and I agree with Reggie. I don't care. I don't care about the labor. I hate to say it. I don't care about, just show me the baby. Get me to the playoffs. Like, I want to see them in the playoffs because we could talk about how big of a lead they had going into this. We could talk. If they go into the playoffs and lay an egg like they've done before, Reggie's right. It is like that girlfriend, which that's a stinky girlfriend. That is. But yeah, baby, I've changed. I'm going to do this. We, we, you know, we're going to spend a lo- you know, some time together. And then you get home and she sleep or she doesn't text you back. She's all, you got to call me first. No, you call me. You check on me. The twins never check on us. They never check on us. But I want to see in the playoffs where they become that team that everybody's. So you got Carlos Correa right now leading the team in hits. You got Donovan Solano. You got Max Kepler. You got Eduardo. You got uh, Michael A. Taylor, like Sam said. I, he needs to stay up there. When you are one of the top five guys, and, I, and I'm, I'm using softball right now because you look at Oklahoma. You look at Florida. You look at Tennessee. Stanford, teams that are good, LSU. LSU has like six left-handed girls on their softball team, by the way, which is phenomenal. 
And when you think about those teams that made it to the College World Series, it was the hitters. The pitchers were like, yeah, we have one ace, but then we have a, a decent group. It was the hitters. The hitters make the pitcher's life so much more comfortable. These hitters can take the pressure off that bullpen by doing what they do and putting the ball in play. And then, like Sam said, when you get on second base, do the jet gritty. Do the twins gritty. Come up with something. Like, do whatever you got to do in the playoffs to get the whole crowd, the whole city behind you. Because, honestly, let's be real. If the Vikings are undefeated in October and the twins are in the playoffs in October, this town is going to be very split on who they follow. And that'll be interesting to see who follows who. But we got to move on. It's gopher football time, people. Eastern Michigan versus the gophers. They're coming to town. P.J. Fleck is 18-1 and against non-power five schools, which is third best in college football. No, Alabama's one of them. I forgot who the other one was. But the fact that he is 18 and one, we talk about guys like Glenn Mason, who's to you lose to like Toledo, Ohio. You talk about Brewster, who lost to everybody. You talk about um, um, uh, Coach Kill, who lost some of those type of games. Even in bowl games, PJ has won and won and won. And nobody gives him credit. So Eastern Michigan is just another notch on the belt. They're coming to town. Eastern Michigan has more road wins in the Big Ten. Then some Big Ten teams have had in the last couple of years, which I think it's Rutgers. I have not done the research. I'm going to do it before Saturday, which today is Friday. But it, I think it's I think it's Rutgers. I think Eastern Michigan has more roll wins in the Big Ten because people keep paying them to come to their town, and then they beat people. Rutgers has not. Rutgers has traveled everywhere, and they have not won. If there is a weakest link in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is like, hey, we want Notre Dame, but we got to get rid of somebody, it's Rutgers. You're gone. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. But when you talk about the Gophers versus Eastern Michigan, this is going to be an Ethan Calig Mantis painting. He's going to paint the town and then he's going to run the ball. Sean Tyler got a lot of flack because, ah, oh, the Gophers don't have a running game. They threw it 44 times. PJ just went with what was working, which was putting the ball in Ethan's hands. If Sean Tyler, and there's a, there's a counter play where the guard and the tight end pool inside the tackle sorry tackle and tight end pull inside so it's like a it's like a cross it's like a super cool cross counter sean tyler follows the tackle cuts it up gets 10 yards if that's working against eastern michigan i guarantee pj is going to run the ball 25 times you go with what works and so this is going to be one of those signature moments where pj hopefully puts his throat on their neck early but again this is the eastern michigan versus minnesota my dad versus me uh so i'm going to enjoy this game but I think P.J. Fleck and the Gophers are headed for a big win. What do you think, Reggie? So I want to see an offensive explosion from the Gophers. I think they had all that camp, all that preparation. We were like, okay, what is this new-look Gophers offense going to look like? No more Tanner Morgan. And then for three quarters, it was like, okay. Like you saw some flashes like – we saw some throws from Ethan that you're like, whoa, like this dude, this dude has something. And then we saw some other throws. We're like, what is he doing? I think what I want to see is a consistent performance from Ethan Kaliagmanis. And I want to see some complimentary football. They couldn't really do much in the run game in that last game. Couldn't really sustain very many drives. And they were blessed to get out of there with the win because they looked dead in the water in that last game. And so I think what I want to see is some offensive firepower Ethan spreading the ball all over the field he's got some pretty good weapons out there didn't really see much crab in in game one so maybe getting him established a little bit more that connection from Ethan and Kroom seems to be 
pretty good. So I, I kind of want to see a little bit more of that. And I just want to see, you know, the the offense really complement what really looked like a dominant defensive performance in that last game. You had the, the two interceptions and they were really kind of shutting Nebraska down a lot. But, you know, just some weird things happening, that long kick return, that that crazy play. <laughs> that the guy dropped the ball on the trick play and the, the guy was wide open in the end zone. And, you know, like just some goofy things just happened. I kind of want to see some of that stuff tightened up. And I think that the the Gophers can really kind of put it on Eastern Michigan if they can get this consistency going. Yeah, Ron already mentioned it, but last week I swung and missed on Sean Tyler too. The transfer from Western Michigan, pretty bad. My bold prediction was 150 all-purpose yards. I just really thought he would be more involved in their game plan, but they could not get anything going on the ground versus Nebraska. I'm doubling down. I'm with you, Ron. I'm going back to the well. I know he's got these huge shoes to fill, you know, filling in for Mo Ibrahim, but I think he's too good. He's too talented to not be more involved inside the offense and be more efficient with those opportunities. He's averaged over five yards per carry his entire career for a reason. He knows how to find the crease in between the tackles. He's got the speed and the quickness to bounce some plays outside. They got to get him more involved and get back to their bread and butter too this week. Start taking some pressure off their new young quarterback, Calig Manis. I think that's going to open up all this deep passing game stuff and the big chunk plays downfield once you can actually establish that ground game. And this goes for the quarterback too, Calig Manis. He can scoot when he needs to. He's a good athlete. He can make defensive pay. If you can steal just two or three first downs with your legs as a quarterback, that can be so demoralizing for a defense. So I want to see him more willing to break the pocket when there's nothing there, put up some better numbers with his feet than what do you have? Six carries for five yards. I think last week, getting back to establishing the run, not just for this week, but put that on tape for the entire season. That's definitely the A topic I'm looking at. Yeah. And to add on to that, the run game success rate last Thursday. So that would mean getting 40% of the yards on first down, 60% of the yards on second down, and 100% of the yards to go on third down, uh, they were 8 of 20. That's 40%. I'd like to see that up more around 60 or 70. I think they can do a lot better. But I do want to compliment their pass blocking in that game. Looking at their, their starting five offensive linemen in that game, and remember, 44 passes by Cali Manis, dropping back a lot. Quinn Carroll, zero pressures allowed. Ariante Ursary, zero pressures allowed. Nathan Bowe and Tyler Cooper, one pressure allowed each. Martez Lewis, two pressures allowed. So four pressures allowed from their starting offensive line. Very, very impressive. Um, but lastly, don't overlook this Eastern Michigan team. Nine and four last year. They beat a Power Five team in Arizona State. They're a stinky program right now. Still, that's impressive. Didn't learn much from their week one matchup against Howard. That is not necessarily on the same level. So I uh, don't know what to expect from Eastern Michigan, but don't overlook them. That's a good team in the MAC. Hey, don't overlook Howard. Deion Sanders, well, he will get you, Sam. You you be careful with that HBCUs. Deion Sanders, well, Jackson State is on that level. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think all that's great. I think everybody made some great points. Luke, I like the double down on Sean Tyler. Here's the thing with the Gophers offense that we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> like, we really don't know. 
Like we asked who was calling the plays. Clearly now it's Coach Harbaugh. We thought it was going to be Matt Simon, but he said Harbaugh has it. Um, so we'll see if this is a game-to-game -game thing where, hey, like, okay, Harbaugh, you had it this game. Simon, you have it next game. Because I know P.J. Flex not happy with the injury report that has to come out two hours before kickoff. So I think 5.30, you know, 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever, on a Saturday, we'll kind of get a really idea, good idea who's going to play. I'm guessing Chris Altman Bell is going to be questionable again. Um, so I know uh, Coach Flex said that's mental. Um, they think that he's ready to go, but you have to mentally get over the injury you had on that same field. Um, so that's the tough part. People forget mental health is important uh, and it's part of the physical. I mean, think about how many players have just stepped away from the game for mental reasons. Say, I need to clear my head. Um, so Chris Altman Bell, hopefully he's back. Uh, but, I, but I think you're spot on. I think this might be a Sean Tyler day. I think screen game. I think, you know, how what is anything good at? He's good at hiding the ball and putting play action and, and getting guys and Daniel Jackson's a star. Daniel Jackson's a star. When Chris Altman Bell comes back, this offense, this offense, sorry, of weapons is going to get better and better and better. But now it's time to jump hey, back. Real One, quick, yeah. speaking of stars, somebody's got to mention Tyler Newbin. I mean, you're watching yeah, the kid at St. Houston. Know. He's a first-round draft pick. He's going to start gaining a lot of first-round hype. He might be he the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota yeah. Vikings, I know they, they already Ooh. took Lewis Seen. Um, so that's a tough one for them to go get another safety in the first round. So I don't hey, they think missed on Winfield. Be. Go get your they guys. Missed on Winfield. They they could have had uh McDuffie last yeah. night. We saw him playing in the slot, uh, but they went Lewis Seen. Uh, but you know, they probably can't go safety again. I mean, even though they already have six on the roster, I don't think the fans <laughs> would be too happy about Tyler Newbin because they'd be like, Why do we need seven safeties? Um, but I could see them going quarterback. But yeah, Tyler Newbin's a first round pick. You know, who knows? He might go to the Lions for all we know. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a solid, I mean, you got Makari page, my cousin out of Michigan. He's also in the all American, uh, running with Tyler Newbin as one of the top safeties in the country as well. Um, so the big 10 this year is going to represent when you look at Ohio state has a safety, uh, the big 10 is looking good this year. We haven't heard much from LSU. We haven't heard much from USC, from UCLA, from, uh, even Alabama. Like everybody's talking about Sh uh, uh, Shiloh Sanders at Colorado, um, so yeah, so this is a, this is a different year, and that's why I said we don't know what we're going to get out of this PJ Fleck offense. Uh, but we got to pick this uh, before we get out of here, really quick, real quick score predictions. Uh, we'll come back and see who's closest next week. But Vikings, Buccaneers. I'll start with you, Luke. Yeah, this Bucks defense is still legit. I'm worried about Vitavia and Shaq Barrett off the edge versus this offensive line. But we get them at home, 23-17 Vikes. I think it's a low-scoring affair mm -hmm. just between both defenses and this weak kind of offensive line play. Depends on where you catch the line here. If you got it at 6.5, six, six, or maybe 5.5, 23-17, my final guess. I like the weird scores, um, so I'm going to go Vikings 26, Bucks 19, which you can go to FanDuel and bet the exact final score of the game. Mm. And 26-19, that would get you 260-1 to 1 odds, plus 26,000 on FanDuel. Mm. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> give, it a, give it a try. Give it a try. Based on where I went uh, with my X Factor, uh, I have to go Vikings 28 bucks 24. Mm. 28-24. I'm going to – I believe in Brian Flores. I'm going to believe in Flo. I'm going to go Vikings 24, Buccaneers 13. I think maybe one touchdown and two field goals. I'm going to I'm gonna believe in Flo, and Flo I trust. Maybe 24-12 even. Just four field goals. Baker Mayfield is going to throw a pick in the red zone or in the – you know, something. He's going to do something Baker-ish. 
I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm looking forward to the game. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Luke Inman. We want to thank everybody on YouTube for watching. Amazon Fire, Roku. Also, SiriusXM is a proud partner of Locked On. We thank those that have all downloaded the SiriusXM app. Make sure you stick with us because there's going to be a lot more coming from Locked On Sports Minnesota. We're going to have some posts game shows after the Vikings and the Gophers game. So you don't want to miss that breakdown. We're definitely going to be fan interactive. We want to, we want to answer your questions and we want to make sure you guys are able to tell us what you thought of the game. But again, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Luke Emmons. That's Reggie Wilson, care 11. This is locked on sports. This was the Friday uh, round table. Have a great weekend.